Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Twins walking off in the 10th inning Sunday with a grand slam by Brian Dozier for an 11-7 win over the Rays, who dropped three of four. Disappointing end for them heading into the All-Star break. Their record now 49 and 47. And speaking of All-Stars, Another tough break for Wilson Ramos, the starting catcher for the American League. He's going to miss that game and quite a few others possibly with a hamstring injury. But left-handed pitcher Blake Snell finally gets his call to the All-Star game. We'll also discuss how and why a T-shirt worn by Jameis Winston's trainer became a discussion late last week. And the Bucks now just 10 days away from reporting to training camp. And viva la France! France beats tiny Croatia to win the World Cup and they're still partying around the Eiffel Tower. All that and more on this Monday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer for our listeners only from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Folks, you got to listen to this. For a limited time now, we've got a special offer at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Make your anniversary or your engagement or any special occasion even more breathtaking. Now, at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, with a minimum purchase of only $2,000, you're going to receive a five-day, four-night cruise for two to the Caribbean on us. This includes your choice of cruise line and your destination to the Caribbean. Enjoy Las Vegas-style entertainment and fine dining. We're going to make sure that you let Andy know you heard it from Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay. So dazzle her with one of the diamonds that you pick out at Continental Wholesale and then enjoy an ocean adventure cruise on us. It's just one of the many sunny getaways by Continental Wholesale Diamonds, and you get all the details from Andy at the store. And remember, don't waste your time in the shopping mall. That's where they got the huge overhead, which only means higher prices for you. Continental Wholesale Diamonds provides you with an exquisite jewelry selection, one-on-one customer service, always at wholesale prices that are easy on the pocketbook, and all. best of all, there's no pressure. So you just go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. He's going to pour you a nice scotch, and he's going to help you find that perfect diamond for your loved one. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150. That's right next to the Penthouse Club. Go ahead and get this special offer from them, our podcast listeners only. So, Steve, not a good way for the Rays to close the first uh, unofficial first half of the season, I guess, or a little more than halfway through the season for the Rays. They lose three of four to the Twins, who did not have have not had a very good season, although um, they had won six out of seven entering uh, that series at home. Uh, but I mean, when you let's just put it this way: when you manage to score twenty six runs in the final two games and win just one of them, and just win one out of four. Uh, there might be something wrong there. I, what happened to them on this on this road trip? Well, I mean, it's a, when you say road trip, it's one series, four games against the Twins, who were hot coming in at home, uh, but overall not a very good team. Saturday was kind of the anomaly. They they had a lead, blew it, and then busted it open with three five-run innings. I think the first team yeah, since 1991 or something to have three straight five-run innings in a game yeah. uh, to win 19-6. to six. But overall, you know, I thought the pitching the walks, man walks yeah and you and yeah. i were talking about it before the podcast especially on sunday mm-hmm. you come into a run one one run game late in the, the game if they hit a home run it's still just tied but I when know. you walk a guy you're just compounding problems it's one of my big pet peeves and i and i know look i it's not if, if it was easy to throw the ball you know you can't just throw it right down the middle all the time to a major league hitter you know uh, even at 95 miles an hour, right? You want to try to hit spots and execute pitches. Having said all that, to ha- to be a major league pitcher in that situation, knowing that the worst outcome is if they swing and hit a ball 500 feet, it's still a tie game, but you made them swing the bat. To go out there and they walk three guys uh, in that inning and the first two, I think on, seven, on eight or nine pitches, and in three, you know, Two runs score, and three of those guys were, you know, they were walked. I mean, to get on base, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me that you can be 
in the major leagues and not be able to throw a strike when you absolutely have to, 3-0, and whatever the count is. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, they walked a ton of batters uh, on Sunday. And, you know, they, 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 despite fighting back, I mean, they had a 4-1 to lead. They blew that. We talked earlier uh, before the podcast, C.J. Crone, I guess, just with a, a horrible throw to third base on a play. Uh, and then the balk, you know, after that. And then how about the uh, the little, I don't know if you call it a brawl per se, but a little dust-up maybe well, between it was, those Well, it teams. was kind of interesting because on the balk, Dozier, so the balk happens, Dozier's on third, scores, and he becomes mm-hmm. the, the leading run at that time, five to four. He was quite animated celebrating coming in. Although I didn't. I don't have a problem. I mean, he wasn't staring at the raised bench doing it. He was just. But excited. you know what? I, you know what that was an answer to. I think it was deliberate, and it was it was the response to Carlos Gomez's walk off home it probably run. Probably was. And so he was trying to ham it up the way the way Carlos did in the walk off home run mm-hmm. at Tropicana. I'm sure that's what he was doing. And but then the next pitch, it looked like he just yanked it, um, and you know it was inside. It didn't hit the guy. And the guy took like great offense to the fact that the pitch was inside. Well, that's what that's what everyone perceived. Now, in the post game, it's kind of coming out. Escobar didn't have a problem with the pitch. Didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the Twins mm-hmm. bench was saying a lot of things. Oh, okay. And, and, and aiming it towards Castillo and staring at him. And that's what Daniel Robertson said post game got him fired up. It was yeah. more from the Twins bench, less from Escobar. Now, Escobar at the end of the inning then kind of chirped at the Rays bench and walked towards the Rays bench at the end of the inning. And he got right. tossed for that, which was the right call. You can't do that at the end of an mm-hmm. inning. But, yeah, the Dozier thing, I don't have I, – I know there's unwritten rules in baseball and this, but I have no problem if you want to celebrate. You just took the lead in, in, a, in a tight game. You didn't – you weren't staring at the other team. You weren't chirping at them. And, yeah, he probably did ham it up because that's what Gomez did on that Oh, walk-off. he absolutely did. He absolutely yeah. did. And, yeah. But I didn't have a problem with it at the time. And then the next pitch and Kevin Cash is out there yelling at Castillo and the twins bench. And, you know, then you well, see the bullpen bull running like, in, which, you know, yeah. I, I'm sitting there, at the, you know, I, I laugh at that every time because the bullpens are running in to go help with the fight, but they're running right next to the other team's players coming in and they don't do anything with each other. They're just running in to run. <laughs> no. in. I mean, as, as, uh, uh, Dwayne and, um, Doug Wechter was filling in today. We're saying they're getting their cardio in. Because they ran out Basically, you know, once or twice. Get your running done, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no one ever fight. It's very rare that guys actually fight in baseball. I mean, you never, you, you know, they kind of bow up at each other. Yeah, you find someone hold here, me hold, me, hold me back. You're hold lucky they're holding me back. That's right. <laughs> right. Look look at him. He's going crazy. But somebody, thankfully, Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash was in, I mean, Cash as much as anybody after the, the, the sort of jockeying that went back and forth and the yelling, finally was yelling at somebody over there, well, you want to go? Let's go. You know, like, what do you – you know, you want to. We can go if you want to. If you want to rumble, let's go. I did find it funny so, after the second bench is clear at the end of the inning. They had a shot of Cash and Odorizzi talking to each other, and they both have their hands right. over their mouth, but you can tell they're laughing oh, as they're sure. talking to each other. It was pretty. I thought that was pretty funny. What was also ironic was you would imagine that um, you know Do- Doja was doing that to to sort of you know get back at again, like we said, uh, the Gomez thing. But Gomez was actually the peacemaker. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. was attacking him. He was he had his arms around guys. He was talking to guys, laughing about it. Well, and here's the other um, thing. If that do- if that Dozier thing was, if that was the answer to Carlos Gomez, isn't that the best way to handle that? Yeah, because they, they didn't nobody throw got him the plunked, whole series. Nobody got hurt. Right. Nobody got risk of injury. No one. Right. Uh, that's the best way to handle that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tit for tat. You know, you, you hammed it up on, on a walk-off, and even though it wasn't a walk-off run, because there was still a whole inning to play, yeah. and that was the night uh, after you got drilled nineteen to six because you gave up fifteen runs in the last three innings. Yeah, how'd that feel? Right, yeah. exactly. So they handled it as good as it could be handled. And I mean, Paul Molitor, you know, his his teams aren't going to be crazy, but they never threw at Gomez the entire series. And they and going into the series, I was listening to Dave and Andy. They, I think, they thought it might be possible that there would be one headed his way. Um, I don't think he played in the first game or started the first game, but um, but throughout the series, you know, they didn't and. Um, he even had a home run in the series, right? Mm-hmm. I believe. So, uh, look, it you know overall though, unfortunate for the they could have won their fiftieth game, and you know there's very few people. Well, there's a lot of people who didn't think they would win fifty, and I got my hand up right now. You can't see this on the podcast. I I didn't think they'd win fifty at the All Star break. Hell, I didn't think I thought they'd lose a hundred, right? Which means that I had them winning only sixty two all year. So they're they're going to get that – they're going to look make me look bad for sure, I would imagine. Um, but then it wasn't – you know, 
I, I mean, I think I don't know that the momentum is going to carry out or off. You know, after the All Star break, had you had you finished well, you know, this, this is sort of a, a natural interruption for teams. Um, but by the same token, it's like, man, you know, if you really wanted to 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 to, to do something, this was the series. You know, the Twins were playing well at home, but have been scuffling around overall. And, you know, to lose three or four, even if you split that series, you still got your 50 wins, you're okay. Um, now they're back to two games over 500. You know, we'll see what they do coming out of the All-Star break. But uh, it's still a first half that in, in its totality, if you really look at how it started and, you know, that terrible start that they had. Um, and, and, and then this whole, like I said, the story of the year, maybe in baseball in some respects, is, you know, this whole opening pitcher, you know, like today using eight or nine pitchers again. Uh, they've done this and, and pieced it together, and it's worked well enough for them to even be two games over 500. Um, I give them all the credit in the world. This is a resilient baseball team. I mean, within a game, um, you Just know, look they, at the they last two up, games. Look at the last right, two games. They How give many up times leads, they come, they come back. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over and over again. And, and I like that about them. I mean, they're very – um, you know, a, a, frankly, a lot of teams would, you know, after blowing a four to one lead and then falling behind by two, um, but a huge, you know, not only that, blowing a four to run by lead, Sucre. blowing a four to run one lead on the day before the All Star break when everyone's minds already that wherever yeah, they're going for three day. four days vacation, yeah, which yeah. you know, I, I was looked at my wife at one point where you had the game on and I'm like. This is like three and a half hours old, and they're only in the seventh inning. I'm like, the day before an All Star game, usually those games are two and a half hours. And yes, uh, they are. Mm-hmm. Players are first pitch swinging. Right, right. Especially the visiting team that you know has it looking at a three and a half hour flight home. So, you know, hey, I, again, I overall, you credit them. There's been some really great surprises. Mark Tompkins wrote about it in the Tampa Bay Times over the weekend. Uh, I believe, and, and you know, and you talk about you know who's your MVP and all these things. I mean, obviously, Blake Snell's had an incredible first half, but Wilson Ramos, you know, is has been probably their MVP. I think if you're looking at a guy that you know plays every day in the kind of year he's having, um, but there's been a lot of great stories. I mean, um, you know, Daniel Robertson and Wendell and all all these guys that you really didn't know what to expect, if anything, from them and. You know, the young kids have come up and played well. I mean, Bauer, I think, has, has had his ups and downs. But, you know, their ability to play the infield and the outfield, no one's bitching, no one's complaining. Um, you know, certainly Duffy has been terrific for them, the most consistent player they've had. Scary moment for him, by the way, over the weekend when he turned that ankle. Um, and, you know, here's a guy that's had foot problems and things like that. It looked, that looked bad. But he stayed in the game. He took the day off and then pinch hit, um, you know, the next day. But – that you know he's been he's been terrific. So Joey Wendell, who would have thought that Joey Wendell was going to come right. in and do what he's done? Clutch, clutch I again mean, today. He kind of went. You know, they came out of you know spring training. You saw him in spring training. You're like Joey, who? Right. You know, it, never heard of the guy before, and he's been no, fantastic. I mean, the A's didn't want him. He's played the outfield. He's played the infield. He's hit for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I give them all the credit in the world. I think they've they've done well, very well, to get to this point. I don't know what's in their future. I don't know that they can maintain this. What we don't know is that bill going to come due, or is it starting to come due for the bullpen? Uh, in terms of you know so many guys making so many appearances, so many days in a row, or three out of four days, or four out of five days, or whatever it is, um, and and they've had you know a number of different pitchers shuttle between Durham and that, so they're using you know, 16, 18 pitchers or whatever. But uh, you just wonder what happens when they get to August. What happens when they get to September? You know, uh, are we going to start to see some of the wear and tear? But but for now, um, they, disappointing end to the first half. They started 1-8, one and, one and 4-13. They finished 49-47, right. and 47, only 8.5 back of the second wild card with only mm-hmm. one team in front of them to jump before they get to Seattle. Right. It, you know, after the first two weeks of the season – not bad. It's been a tre- well, but even before that, it's been a tremendous first half of the season. It was a little disappointing at the finish, the the, the last four games. Yeah. But yeah, but a tremendous first half of the season. But better, e- better than even, any of us dreamed. Even before that, okay. E- I mean, people called this what they thought it was, which is they were tanking. You know, the trade of Longoria. Um, even during the season, you know, when they traded Denard Span and Alex Colomay, people, you know. Race fans were like, oh, my gosh, you guys really don't care at all about winning. I mean, those are two of their better players. One was their closer. The other guy 
you know, even though it looks like he was here for just one season anyway and, and might have been traded, but he was playing very, very well for him. But, you know, everything they've done, they've replaced them with guys that are as good or better, and they've just they've just kept going. I will say the Alex Colomay trade does hurt them a little bit, and, and only because we've seen that they struggle late in the game. A lot of these pitchers, one of the, the hidden things of the opener that was talked about early on when they started it, but they really haven't said much since, is that when you're putting some of these relief pitchers in in the first, second, third, or fourth innings, there's less pressure on them, and they're, they're not in such high leverage situations, and they're pitching better. Mm-hmm. I think right. you know. I think you can look at Ryan Stanek and say, when he's in the back end of the bullpen, he struggles a lot more than he does he's not when as he's good. opening. That's a game. right, and mm-hmm. it's it's part of the pressure, the high leverageness, the everything sure. going on. That you know, in the first or second inning, you can just let it fly. They get a run, okay, it's one nothing in the first inning. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Give up a run when it's four four in the seventh. Or even if you're down a run or up a run, it has a lot more impact on it, and it can affect pitchers. And you know they they've kind of shown over and over, no matter who they throw out there late, they have to go to Sergio Romo every time. That's the only guy they trust back there to finish a game. They're yeah, trying because others. he's he's been the guy. He's done mm-hmm. it, and and I mean in baseball in the majors especially, that twenty seventh out is the hardest one to get. Mm-hmm. And if you've not if you've not pitched on the back end closing out games um it's just it's just something that's very very hard i think they do uh, miss alex a little bit in that yeah regard. i would I mean, agree span the outfielders have been you know whether it's malix or yeah johnny field struggled a while that's why he sent down but you know gomez is starting to heat up some now um you know the outfield and they, they're playing wendell and robinson out there and, and even right. jake bowers um you know so they, they've been able to manage that alex coleman they miss a little bit i mean i know why they made the trade and and, and get that and and it, you know from a baseball standpoint and when you're looking long term and short term i totally get it and understand it but mm-hmm. it is hurting this team a little bit because they don't have enough reliable pitchers on the back end that kevin cash can sit there and say you know even though alex struggled earlier in the year he still got out of most of those jams and they right. could rely on him trust him and know he can handle it They've seen him do it. He's done it before. He he has the confidence he can do it because you know when you when you have that many saves the last two years. But um, you know we're getting very close now to the trade. You know the the non waiver trade deadline. And I, I mean I would think that there's going to be some deals made on this team. They're not done certainly with trying to get value. Now if they can't get value back, then you know Chris Archer's not going to go anywhere. Well, or, I think Echeverria goes you know. no matter what because you've got Willie Adamas. You're ready to put in there. And even though right. he struggled a little bit, part of that. I believe so. Would they DFA that, him if they couldn't get a deal? You think? I I think they will, yeah. um, unless the only way I don't think that happens is if you know two weeks from now, as the trade deadline's coming around, they're four games out, and he's a big part of it, mm-hmm. and they think he gives them a better chance to win over Adamas at this point. Mm-hmm. Not long term, but for this year, if you're going to eat right. the salary anyway, DFAing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think he helps you win? Then you'll keep him if you're. If you're 12 games out in two weeks from now, then I think he definitely gets DFA because you want Adamas to get the reps and more playing time up here and experience to build for next year and the year after. Right. So I, I think Echeverria, I, I think he's pretty much gone, but if they then they come out of the All-Star break and don't do very well, or I mean, well, if, if, me, I'm sorry, if they if they do very well, if all yeah, of a sudden they're, they're making they up ground, they're making up ground quick because Seattle's mm-hmm. struggling and Oakland's you know coming back to more closer to 500 baseball of late, then, yeah, they could keep Hetchover if they feel he gives them a better shot than Adamas at this point. I think they want right. Adamas there, but if they got a shot to win and you're going to eat the salary anyway, and Hetchoveria today gives you a better chance than Adamas, sure. You know, Ramos is going to miss some games, but is there any way his injury might affect their ability to, to make a deal for him? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the quote today is he's going to miss some time. Mm-hmm. They didn't say how much. They may not know how much yet, but... Uh, it absolutely, you know, I mean, if you've got a contending team that needs a catcher and you don't know right now, you don't know when he's yeah. coming back. I mean, until we know the extent of the injury in that, I mean, if it turns out, okay, he's going to miss two to three weeks and he'll be back by the first week of August, teams will still trade for him. If it's a known hamstring injury, that's not whatever. But if mm-hmm. it's more unknown, it could go past. And then you've still got August where you can trade, but you have to go through waivers first. So it limits your options because somebody will claim Ramos. Right. So then you I have to make remember, a deal with them or keep him. My friend Lovey Smith used to say, "Oh, Rick, if it's a groin, you know how long a groin. T- if it's a ham a hamstring, Rick, you don't know how long a ham- hamstrings can be. They can be anything. 
And it's true. There's varying degrees of uh, hamstring strains. So tough break for the Buffalo, though, man. He's going to start the All-Star game in Washington. You know yeah, he was I mean, looking forward to doing that. And the fans there you know, love him. And who knows? Yeah. I mean, he may just stay there after. Or, you know, had he not got hurt, he yeah, might have just he might staying have. there to he play might, for the yeah. Nationals. But yeah. uh, he said he's going to the All-Star game still and going to participate Good. in the festivities in that and see family and bring his family and have friends up there and past teammates and Good. stuff. But, yeah, it's a real shame he can't start. Um, you know, the Rays don't often get starters voted into the All-Star game. No, I think it's, what, it's only the sixth, sixth time. Yeah, sixth I think. time in history. Yeah. They did last year with Corey Dickerson as a DH, but uh, only mm-hmm. the sixth time. So it would have been nice to see him start. So hopefully Blake Snell gets in the game, so Ray will actually play. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it wasn't it it wasn't a a foregone conclusion he was going to take somebody's place, but he did finally. Uh, it was better late than never. Um, so well, everyone assumed it was going to be Trevor Bauer. I mean, the assumption was is they put Trevor Bauer on there. He's scheduled to pitch Sunday, so they'll put him on the team, and he won't be able to pitch, and and Blake Snell will take his spot. Well, Bauer's pitching pitch Sunday and said, I'm available. <laughs> so all of a sudden now you're going, well, maybe Blake won't be an all-star. That sounds like Chris Archer a year ago. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he got uh, added late, and you know they said he was available yeah. to pitch. So, Yeah, yeah. Do you think that had anything to do with um, his availability but taking Snell out the other night? I mean, Snell was not sharp when he lost. I think it was on, what, Friday maybe? Thursday or Friday? I can't remember which game he pitched in the series. Thursday. First it was Thursday. Um, but, you know, he threw like 75 pitches or so maybe. Was Fell behind three to nothing. He was probably one of his worst outings for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think the All-Star game factored into getting him out of there? I don't know if it did. I mean, you know, it's, if he's going to pitch in the All-Star game, it's on regular rest on Tuesday. I mean that would have yeah, been his, you know his fifth day essentially if you were playing every day. Uh, I yeah. think I think more of it had to do with you've had such a great first half. Let's yeah. not make this any worse for your last outing before you go to the All Star game and that. Let's just get you out. Save save it for after the break. We're gonna need you. You're gonna right. you know you're gonna have to be our horse after the break. Mm-hmm. I think it was more about just you know let's not leave with a bad taste in our mouth as we you know depart for the season or for the 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 break in the middle middle of the season. Right, right, and he's gonna he's gonna end up logging a lot of innings if he if he continues going on. So I mean, we'll see what the race can do. I I give them all the credit in the world. I, they've surprised me. They've stunned me. They this whole you know uh, pitcher thing has worked out beautifully to their advantage, and they still continue to have more injuries, um, both on the pitching staff and 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 now with Ramos and other places. So they managed to uh, to even deal with those. So you give them a lot of credit. Um, okay, I wanted to talk about uh, a little bit. Uh, without going into too detail um, or too much, making too much of it, um, thing happened on. I want to say it was Friday of last week, maybe. Yeah, yeah I maybe believe it was Friday. Friday. Yeah. Um, okay, so Jameis Winston, um, you know, America's quarterback, as some call him, was uh, was working out as he is very uh, often does at the Tampa Bay Youth Football League field um, there off of uh, the veterans or what have you, um, and. And Jameis posted um, something about his workout with some, you know, said some things about himself and um, had his trainer uh, as part of the post. And his trainer was wearing a T-shirt. And this is the big T-shirt thing that, you know, depending on your perspective, either we blew it out of proportion or or it just got blown out of proportion. But um, the T-shirt said, worn by the trainer, Jameis Winston against the world. Well, at first blush... You know, given his situation, um, some people quickly, once it was posted, started, you know, responding to that tweet and saying, wow, really? And and I tweeted, and I'm, I'm happy to own up to this, like, I don't get the message. You know, like, is he saying he's a victim? Like, I don't get it. What does Jameis Winston against the world mean? Clearly, it's a motivational thing. I mean, you know, I, this is my first day on the beat. I understand guys look for any edge. We talked about the greater the player you know, I mean, Tom Brady wears T-shirts that still say one number number one ninety nine. You know, um, because he wasn't drafted till the sixth round. So guys look for motivations wherever they can get it. Um, but not knowing the origin of this T-shirt, you know, for for Winston who has suspended three games and has has gotten some criticism and some things. Obviously, our columnist wrote that they he felt like the Bucks should trade him and all this. But to say you know Jameis against the world means is different. You know, from a context than say. Uh, what what turned out to be the, the the situation where the NFLPA 
actually designed all these T-shirts, gave them to every player, and put the players' names on them. So Ali Marpet, and we ran a photograph of this uh, on, on Twitter. Ali Marpet had one said, Ali Marpet against the world. So this was a thing from the NFLPA to the players, um, but certainly has a different meaning for different players, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Greg Allman wrote a post about it, explained the origin of the T-shirt once it was discovered, uh, explained how Jameis wrote a story about how Jameis stopped on his own time and talked to some some players from the TBYL that were there, um, you know, just sort of impromptu, gave them a motivational speech. Um, and so that that was the story. In fact, Greg's lead to the story was some people will think this is – um, you know, much to do about nothing or something to that effect. And, and some people actually did, but others, you know, just thought, wow, you know, like, um, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Why, you know, why this trainer would be wearing this shirt. Um, the optics aren't the greatest given what he's coming through. Um, so I just wanted, you know, I just wanted to give my perspective of it. Cause I know some people on Twitter were, were upset with me asking the question, like, I don't get the t-shirt. Is he saying he's a victim or what? Um, I think we, I think Greg did a. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good job of explaining the whole context of the the entire post. But just so people understand that, you know, when Jameis Winston, um, he's the face of a franchise. We know what he's come through with the suspension. Um, he's one of 32 quarterbacks to start in this league. And so, you know, when he trains and who he trains with, like I think we talked about Randy Moss being out there as a mentor, and what he posts, what he decides to post on Twitter, um, and he's very, I think he's very engaged in social media, um, all of that is newsworthy, okay, to some level. Now, is it the most newsworthy thing that day or the most newsworthy? It Does it, does it fall to the same standard of him being suspended three games? No. Um, just like when he you know, goes to an elementary school uh, and posts a video of him opening one of his tech centers um, like he did at Alexander Elementary, you know, that that's also not the biggest news in the world, but we're there and we post it and we write blogs about it. Um, so, you know, this thing, I, I thought it was interesting that a lot of people um, were sort of like kind of this sort of how dare you. Like, I, I, I don't get that. You know, it says – you know, I think Jameis accepts that his life now, and if he doesn't have this message, he certainly should have it by now, that whatever he does on or off the field, he has he has agreed by virtue of his job to, you know, sort of sacrifice that in the public eye. I mean, that's and, – and, and much of it he volunteers anyway on social media. So all of it is news. All of it goes under that umbrella. And those of us, you know, that, that report on the Bucks or report or cover Jameis – you know, we're going to, you know, probably without much fail, um, represent what he is putting on the internet and represent the messages that are there, real or imagined. And other people will react to it as they choose to react to it. Um, you know, we're not passing judgment. I mean, Tom Jones does that as a columnist, um, you know, but everybody else, Greg and myself, whatever, we're going to ask questions, sure. Um, but we're also going to just, you know, post things that, uh, that, that, you know, and, and retweet things that Jameis has put out there. And it, at times we'll write stories about them. So that's, that's my take so that people understand how this came, came, came about. I'm, I'm still technically on vacation. So this fell into Greg's lap. I made one comment when I first saw the t-shirt cause I had no idea what it meant. Um, and I thought optically it probably didn't look so good, uh, for him, but you know, again, everyone has the right to their opinion. That's fine. Um, you know, I think Pro Football Talk made the point, Steve, that you know, and, and Jameis responded to to Greg about it, and then they've since you know they've since had a discussion. There's no there's no animus there, but you know, I think Pro Football Talk made the point that look, you know, if if a post about a T-shirt uh, is going to solicit some response, like 
he's going to have to have a thick skin because I assure you when he gets to Chicago and plays his first game there, they're going to be saying a lot of things to Jameis Winston and making a lot of judgments <laughs> at Soldier Field. Um, so best not to pay too much attention to the noise, as it were, but that's that's my 10, 10 minutes of it or whatever I've discussed it now. I'm, I'm not really making any more of this than, than needs to be made. I just simply wanted to explain from my perspective because a lot of people – on Twitter seemed to take great exception, but others um, kind of went the other way. So it was kind of split down the middle. Yeah, I, when I saw the post initially, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I mm-hmm. that's us against the world is a mantra that sports is used forever. I mean, it doesn't right. matter. Sure. It doesn't matter what the slight is. I mean, you know, someone picked you second in the division. Well, it's us against the world or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to me, it was just a motivational factor. I don't I don't. You know, I don't know Jameis. I don't know if there was a, a a meeting behind it or trying to make a bigger picture, a bigger message. Well, it turns out, out there's me. not well, because yeah. all the players got these shirts. I mean, it was like you know, I'm sure Cameron Braid has one that says Cameron Braid against the world. Well, sure, but he doesn't have to wear it. I mean, he doesn't have to wear yeah. it. He can sit there and say, "Hey, this is not right. going to be a good look. I'm not going to wear it." Or it's, right. "Hey, man, that that's a good you know." I, look, players, but understand players use that anything under- for motivation. Right, but understand when it was posted, there wasn't like a bunch of these shirts around that other people knew. Like we found, um, and and had someone give us, uh, and then we republished it. The you know Ali Marpet wearing a similar one, mm-hmm. but you know when it when it was posted by Jameson, it's his trainer. Um, you don't know for what you know. Maybe he had these printed up for a purpose. You know what I mean, oh, motivational sure. or otherwise. Oh, I have no um, problem which, with the question, and 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 you know, look, right. anything you put out on social media or the website or whatever you want to do. I mean, you wear something during a post game interview in the locker room. It's going to be it's, judged. It's yeah. going to be judged. It's going to be it's fair game. And when you're the quarterback, it's even judged more. Right. And when regardless you're of a history that a quarterback may or may not have, you're the quarterback. You're one of thirty-two. You're the most important person sure. on your team. It's going to be judged, absolutely. I think and sometimes more, we read too much into things. We might, but 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 it, I think I think he's look. He regardless, the light is brighter on Jamison. Whether whether I shine it, you shine it, Pro Football Talk shines it, ESPN doesn't matter. The light is brighter on Jamis now, okay, because of what's happened in the off season, because of his suspension. It's not going to change when he gets to training camp. If you think people aren't going to talk about this, if you think his teammates aren't going to be asked about it, if you think Dirk Cutter isn't going to have to decide how he's going to run practice or how he's going to juggle his quarterbacks in the preseason games and it's not going to impact what they do, it is. And every time it does, it's going to be discussed. It's going to be either a note, a story, or a column, or something else. Um, and how Ryan Fitzpatrick performs in those first three games is always going to, you know, be immediately, um, you know, sort of in reference to or, um, you know, compared to the quarterback who's not playing, who's sitting at home because of something he did, you know, a couple years ago. So, you know, this is going to be a story until it's not, you know. And so, therefore, with that quarterback in particular, with Jameis Winston, there is a brighter light. And so, you know, as he puts things on social media or, or whatever he does. I mean, look, we, you know, we frequently go to, you know, like I said, his charitable things all the time. You know, we, we ran, I mean, Greg ran a post. He, he went and called the woman of, the, I think it was the Carrollwood team or whoever he addressed impromptu on the way off the field that day and got quotes from them. And we wrote a story about that. You know, I've been to Alexander Elementary, wrote a story about his first tech room. I mean, we do these things because he's the quarterback. And so... All of it's going to take on on meaning, and I'm I'm just saying, like I, you know, if you don't want to read about Jameis Winston and what's going on, you know, that's fine. That's your choice. You know, uh, if you're offended because people ask the question as I did, like, what does this mean? Um, that's fine. You take issue with with me asking a question, uh, but again, I, I I'm with you. It's like, you know, of course it's motivation. I, again, I go back to. The, the, the players that are the greatest in this league, it's always one of the things that's always astounded me is how you can be as accomplished as you want to be. Tom Brady, Derek Brooks, you know, um, whoever, you know, guys that won Super Bowls here, Brad Johnson certainly, uh, they always found something that would get them up in the morning. <laughs> you know, Gerald McCoy, you'd think Gerald McCoy, you know, people talk about him being thin-skinned and, you know, why does he respond and all these things. Look, Gerald, those guys, that, you're, you're putting fuel in their tank. You know what I mean? That's what gets them through these workouts in the off season. They love being doubted. The one thing about sports, 
is, is what separates the, the, the not just the great from the good, but mm-hmm. the those that are pro and those that aren't. It's the mental side of the game. Absolutely. There's a lot of players that can run four four forties that don't oh, make the NFL. Absolutely. There's a lot of baseball players that can crush a baseball or throw a baseball hundred miles an hour and never make the big leagues. That's right. It's the mental part of the game that, and whether it's just understanding things and comprehending and seeing the game, but it's also the motivational part, the drive. You know, the, the mental drive. part of this game for all yeah. sports is what separates those who make it and those who don't, and especially those that are great and those that are just yeah. Good. Look, I got to, I've gotten to know Jerry Rice very well just through you know affiliation with my wife's work and knowing Eddie DeBarlo and all that, and I've hung out with Jerry an awful lot. And I'm not name dropping; I'm kind of name dropping here, but you know no, Jerry is regarded. Jerry, yeah, thanks. Jerry is regarded. Oh, I got more. Jerry is regarded, uh, you know, by some uh, as maybe the greatest football player of all time. You know, my my dad would argue it was Jim Brown. You know, until the cows come home, but nonetheless, you know, in his Hall of Fame speech. Um, you know, Jerry, and he, he has said this many times in other interviews is like, you know, he didn't get, he did not enjoy his career the way many players do while they're playing. He never stopped to smell the roses. Not one time, you know, he ran that damn hill you heard about all the time. Uh, and he played 20 years and he looks like he could still play, by the way. I just saw him a little while ago in Hawaii, but the guy absolutely was a beast and he was driven because he wanted to be the best and he he thought that every year somebody was going to come in and try to to try to be better than him and and he wasn't going to let that happen he just wasn't and so he he was obsessed to the point of 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 you know not in, not not really having fun while he was playing at times um he will tell you he didn't he didn't again he didn't enjoy his career that's the one of the greatest players of all time and that that seems to be the greater the player uh, the bigger the chip on their shoulder. It just, it, you know, and he was, you know, not drafted first overall. He was a first rounder, but, you know, Mississippi Valley State, you know, not a guy that went, um, you know, to a big school, um, you know. So so there was, there, there's there's always something that these guys find. And you can bet that, that Jameis is never lacking for motivation. And, you know, T-shirts or otherwise aside, he's always going to find something those players usually do. Finally, I don't know if you caught any of this. It came on at 11 a.m., but the World Cup, this just in, the result, France beats tiny Croatia 4-2 to in the World Cup. They are champions. And have you seen, not just from, from Paris, where million, it's seen, what seemingly seems to be like millions of people, you know, all the way up the you know, Champs-Élysées, all the way to, to the Eiffel Tower, um, but Croatia is also partying, and they have every reason to be proud of what their team did. Um, you know, this was one of the tiniest countries that's uh, made the World Cup final. Uh, and for a while, small, it was I think a, the second smallest ever. Second smallest. And, and for a while, it was a game. I mean, unfortunately, they gave up an own goal, and then the same guy scored Croatia's first goal. Um, and so it was it was 1-1 there for a while, but then France quickly scored again. Ends up 4-2 France. I want to say they won the last time they won was 98 or something like that. Sounds about um, right. They've been, yeah, a, it's, they've it's, been a formidable team, and, and uh, they had some really good players. One of the youngest teams, um, I think, to ever win a World Cup was Yeah, they're going to be a power for years team. to come with this team. And, and yeah. to be honest, they were the best team in the tournament. Them and Belgium were the two best teams in this tournament. Agreed. Unfortunately, they played in the semifinals, not the finals, based on the way right. the bracket played out. But um, they were the best two teams. Belgium uh, beat England 2 nothing to take the third-place game, so they finished third. Um, right, but those two teams were head and shoulders above everybody else in this tournament. Absolutely, yeah. So Russia was a host. It came out well for for Russia. I have a uh, somebody I know that that went and um, uh, he was there to watch uh, Germany, which which lost out early to defending champions. Um, but he said he said at Moscow. He said, "Man, it was cool. So it was a great city. Had a great time. People from all over the world were there." Is he being investigated um, by Robert Mueller now? <laughs> no, but. Um, pretty good week, pretty good week over there. If you're, uh, now you got the summit in Helsinki, but, um, but now he thought it was really cool. I was like, well, what was Moscow like? Cause I, that's a place that I, I would like to observe. It would probably scare me to be there. Maybe like, I'd be afraid I wouldn't get out. Cause you know, I have a journalist card of some kind, but, uh, but they, he said, no, man, he goes, the people were great. Uh, everybody was having a good time, you know? Um, so he loved the city and, and, uh, and was there for, you know, about four or five days. So will he be going to um, Qatar all, or Qatar or Qatar? Qatar. No, in, in, I don't think so. For 122 degree games, uh, 
Yeah. In 2022. How is that going to go, by the way? I don't um, know how there's been happens. talk about either playing, you know, really late or early in the morning, or there was talk for a while of, and I don't, I think it's been killed, but of moving it to the winter time instead of playing it in the summer so that it'll be cooler there. I don't know mm. if they have a, a full answer yet, but uh, the next one will be in country. The Women's World Cup is next year. That's in France. That's in France. And the U.S. will be participating in that one. Thank God. So we'll have a rooting interest. Yeah. I'm not uh, sure if Landon Donovan cool. will be rooting for U.S. or Mexico. When, now that the both may be in the, the Women's World Cup. I'm not <laughs> sure which one he'll root for. But Right. No, I, I actually – I mean, I watched – I did not watch – I think I watched – you know, the game that I watched was the game that Russia actually got eliminated. Russia-Croatia. That, that was a really good game. That was a good game. Yeah, it came down to PKs. I mean, the last three games before the final, I think, came down to PKs for Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that that was pretty cool. That that one I sat down and actually watched uh, almost from start to finish. And you could do that with, with soccer, which is great, right? They, I mean, they you know, in two time. hours it'll be done. I mean, if there goes extra yeah. time in the World Cup, okay, maybe two and a half. But Yeah. Did you catch, uh, speaking of uh, events overseas, did you catch any of the Wimbledon action? Uh, I did. Uh, that uh, Anderson... Uh, um, Isner match was incredible. I saw the last. <laughs> I didn't watch the whole match, but I caught Fifth the last twenty six twenty four. I caught the last like hour and a half. I thought it was going to be oh, just a couple more points and it'll yeah. be over. And you know, oh, an hour and a half incredible. later, um, yeah, absolutely crazy. And it, naturally, he had no gas for Djokovic and, and lost in straight sets to him in the final. But um, yeah, that was nuts. I really do believe, though, um, you know, tennis, especially that tournament at, at the All England Club. They have to start thinking about when you get to the fifth set of playing a tiebreaker. I mean, what do the guys have in the tank? I mean, somebody's going to get hurt, you know. I mean, because these guys are so good that the, that the you know the margin of error is so small and they're so evenly matched when they get to like a semifinal that this is what can happen. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. Not that they go twenty, you know, six twenty four or something, but um, you know, but you can you can potentially play forever. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know to save, I know John McEnroe talk about it to save, you know, a uh, possible injury and, and to let these guys be, because, you know, how much did it take out of the final? You know, how, how much did this guy really even have left, um, you know, to play that final against Djokovic. So, um, you know, if you want to avoid that scenario again, you're going to have to maybe consider the rules where you have a, have a tiebreaker in the fifth set. So that was pretty cool as well. Yeah. One other event, I know you didn't catch this, but I happened to, uh, I guess it was Saturday night. Uh, just turned on the TV late at night before I was getting ready to head to bed, and the World Series of Poker was on. And I'm not a I'm not a big poker player, but you know I, I enjoy a, you know a friendly game here or there. But I just was watching for a couple minutes before I headed off to bed, and it was uh, Johnson and Tony Miles in the final table, and going back and forth, and it was incredible. I, wa- I ended up staying up for like two and a half hours watching this, and finally really? went to bed when they went to a break. Uh, Tony Miles had an incredible bluff. Uh, when John Sin could have basically won the tournament had he called it, and he couldn't call it was you know ninety million dollar bluff on chips, um, oh as Tony Miles went all in on a on a losing hand, and he knew he had a losing huh. hand, but it, he had no other play to, but to bluff it, and he actually bluffed, and John Sin didn't call, it. but it, John Sin ends up winning the whole tournament on a bluff late. I didn't catch that; I saw it later afterwards, but uh, it was actually captivating watching the World Series of Poker live. And I've never sat down and, and watched. I've watched a little bit on TV here and there, but never live like that. It was, it was, it was, it was actually captivating on ESPN. So you have to like poker to, to watch that, right? I mean, I've tried to watch it, and we have you know we have a poker game about once a month in the neighborhood. We get like fourteen guys, and it's fun. Um, you know, no wagering is done, by the way, for those authorities listening. Uh, but nonetheless it's i'm not a poker player i'm not somebody that that i mean i don't really understand the game all that well which is probably why i don't win that often but i mean to sit and watch it on tv seems weird to me still i i, I know it's wildly popular especially two, the world series of poker. two things i don't think your game's illegal as long as the house doesn't keep a chunk oh really i believe yeah the same with uh like a final four pool or whatever you do a march madness pool as long as the house maybe, isn't keeping maybe. something i believe it's legal i believe Maybe, Although maybe I'm not a lawyer, don't take that, wagering then. Don't I don't take that, that advice. But mm-hmm. um, I just I love the strategy in, in games. Whether it's you know I, I love watching the strategy in football or baseball, but poker too. I mean, there, there's an absolute you know strategy not just in this hand, but you're playing previous hands and future hands, and 
And, mm-hmm. you know, how much am I going to bet? And do I bet the same amount next time when this scenario comes up or more or less? And that's a tell to the other, you know, it the whole strategy tell, to yeah. it is it's, I, I don't play it enough to be good at it and, and study it enough, but it's fascinating. And I, I just, I love strategy and whether it's a board game or whether it's a sporting event or whatever, I, I love those type of games. So I do like that. Well, and there's no question it's not a game of chance. I mean, they, 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 you know, these guys know what to play and how to bluff and, and you know, when, when to go. Um, and if you play poker, you play with people that play poker a lot. They win a lot because <laughs> they know what the yes. hell they're doing. Yes. So it's way, John not a, it's John not Sin a, walked away with eight point eight million. Eight point eight million dollars. Tony Miles Boy, in second a, got five million. Wow, that'd be a cool thing. Not to bad do, for about know? eight days of playing poker nonstop. I know, right? In Vegas. I mean, that's the other thing is when you get to the finals. I think there was seven hundred and some entrants this year, or maybe it was seven thousand. I don't remember the number. Huge number Goodness. that you know. So it was like it's eight to ten days straight of playing poker, like twelve hours a day to get there. I mean, that would wear you out. But if you love the game, you yeah. have to focus. Which, but that's I the mean, other part. It's the mental part of the game. And, yeah, you know, obviously poker, you're, there's no physical skill to it, so it is mental. Now, but. how many how many celebrities? I saw Ray Romano. Did you see any? Who who else was in it that was a celebrity? Did you see anybody else? Uh, they were showing a lot of the the other World Series of Poker previous winners or guys who have won other bracelets and th- stuff like that in the crowd. I didn't see a lot of celebrities. Yeah, but like no no I actors. Watching. I mean, Ray Romano's the yeah. only guy I saw that. Like I, I said, I, I wasn't planning on. I just turned it on and it happened to be on, and and it yeah. was captivating. And and when Tony Miles had this huge bluff, and they were talking about it for an hour afterwards. Um, and then when Johnson during one of the breaks found out that he was bluffed, well, that's know, great. Then the next the next hour of conversation between him and Tony at the tables kept referring back to that bluff, and it was it was funny to hear the banter back and forth too. So, yeah, well, it was a, it was an interesting weekend for sure. We've got the All Star Game coming up, of course, in Washington, and uh, Blake Snell will hopefully get a chance to get in that game and participate, even though Wilson Ramos will not. Um, then the home run derby, of course, uh, prior to that. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know who you got in that one. Anybody stick out to you? The I'll take Bryce Harper maybe? in front of the hometown yeah, crowd. That's what I think that's for the, for I the think. last time before he leaves at the end of the season, <laughs> before he becomes a Yankee or a cub or something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, Yankee cub brave, brave. brave. He'd be yeah. a great fit on the Braves. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, this is his last hurrah in Washington. So I'll, I'll take him. Yeah, the Braves may have to make a push here because they're doing pretty well. They, they this mm-hmm. is their first. first well, they, year they're definitely in the Manny Machado sweepstakes, right? Yeah, so. Machado's going to be dealt, so this will probably be his last uh, last go in an Orioles uniform for the All Star game. So we'll have that. We'll have more Bucks news. Like I said, man, we are just. I can. I, this is the time of year where I start getting jittery. I get jittery because I know my vacation's coming to an end. And I know that I'm looking at just, you know, a grind and a half for six months coming up. It's going to be – look, we'll talk about this season, I'm sure, this week. And, it's and, Rick and Stroud against forward. the world. It's, it is. You know what? I'm going to get one of those T-shirts. I'm going to see if the <laughs> NFLPA will print one up for me. I'm going to put it on Twitter, and everyone can comment about it. Because I felt like, Rick, you know, I am against the world, truly, uh, as I attempt to do this for, you know, going on more than two decades now. Um well, let's just put it this way. It's been 10 years, and they haven't been to the postseason. So that's a mental well, see, at least your Januarys are, you know, you can you have plans in They're January. They're free. I, yeah, absolutely. I don't other, other than the coaching all. changes that take a few weeks there. but uh, they, And there could be two one to this three year. Years, so, yeah, I, I, think, think, I think this year you're, gonna, you're, you're not, you're not going to have a free January. It's either going to be coaching change or playoffs, one of the two. That's actually – you know what's funny is that there have been so many that that is actually um, – uh, I don't know, maybe every two years is when you get the white puff of smoke that says the coach is actually coming back. That's like the greatest day of the season because it's like, oh, really? They didn't fire him? Oh, good. Yeah, wasn't so it wasn't like right be, before I, Christmas last year that that happened? Yeah, it was Yeah, it was exactly the, the week before. It was a Friday before Christmas. And, they, you know, Gruden at that point, I guess, was pretty far down the line with the Raiders, and they must have must yeah, have known. Was the it. white and, smoke that the coach was coming back at the Bucks, or that Gruden wasn't available anymore? What did the white smoke signal? <laughs> well, um, there was definitely a signal. I tell you what, man, I don't know about smoke. You know what I mean? I don't know what you're smoking, Steve Versnick. But uh, there was definitely a. Uh, uh, I think I think there was a causal relationship there a little bit. Um, but they but the Bucks wanted to get out in front of it before the final final regular season game. They wanted to end all speculation and that day um i'll never forget it was friday like at 5 30 uh and i broke the story and and um they because uh, i had plans and i wasn't real thrilled that it came down at 5 30 but 
it was the it's the day that as a beat writer, especially covering this franchise, that you go, oh, thank God this offseason's not going to be about coaching search. Thank God it's not going to be about coaching because coaching searches are just they can they can last. The Glazers have have gone thirty six days without a head coach before. You know, I mean, it, it can go way deep deep into January or even February. So um, you're grateful for that, but this year. Uh, I don't know, man. Some tall odds facing Jason Light, facing Dirk Cutter. We'll see if they can pull all this off. But we'll be doing lots of training camp stuff, um, sort of previewing some things. And um, before you know it, man, we're going to be over there doing interviews. And this podcast is uh, just going to have more Bucks news and, uh, and coverage than uh, you could ever hope for in interviews and things like that. So that's a lot to look forward to. We'll have a mailbag this week. Maybe we can talk Tom Jones into coming this week. So a lot to stick forward to uh, stay 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 in touch with us for uh, in the podcast and we always love you guys to interact with us um, believe it or not I still like people to interact with me on Twitter <laughs> even though some of you no longer are part of my Twitter <laughs> after this weekend <laughs> I mean some of them were like woo okay then um, but you're always welcome to until I block you but you're always welcome to, to try me on Twitter um, you can reach our podcast all the time we don't block anybody on the podcast you can try us at sports day tv that's at sports day tv my twitter address is at nfl stroud and you reach me by email at rstroud at tampabay.com as always rate review this podcast and steve where can they get that anywhere you get podcasts whether you listen through itunes or maybe it's google play stitcher soundcloud iHeartRadio, tune in just hit the subscribe button. It'll come directly to your mobile device every day or any third-party apps, too, that you use. I tend to use a third-party app on my phone for podcasts. Just do a search for Sports Day Tampa Bay. It'll show up right there. And if you tell a friend about it, that helps us a lot. And make sure you go see our friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You spend $2,000 as a listener to this podcast. You get a five-day, four-night cruise for two to the Caribbean on us. You get to pick the cruise line. You get to pick the destination. Don't miss this opportunity. Go see Andy. $2,000. Make your wife or girlfriend or mom or whatever uh, very happy, not just with the diamonds, but also with a great vacation on Continental Wholesale Diamonds. All-Star Game, Bucks around the corner. We've got lots to talk about. We'll do that uh, all during the week. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Bursting, have a great Monday, everybody.